Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. It's Tuesday, June 7th, and if you haven't noticed, there is a primary election today. And what that means, of course, is that Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians, they all get to pick who will represent their party on the ballot in November. Early voting wrapped up on Saturday. As of Friday afternoon, around 90,000 voters have already cast their ballots. Around 39,000 Republicans and 50,000 Democrats voted early. And depending on which party you're registered for, voters have some pretty different big decisions to make. It is a midterm election as in the middle of President Joe Biden's first term. So there are some big questions about what happens nationally and also how New Mexico's congressional seats tie into that. But there are also big questions about who will lead a couple of the state's largest offices. For one, of course, that is the New Mexico governor's office and who will be the state's governor in 2023. There's also the question of who will be the state's next attorney general. Today, we're going to get into some of those races to watch out for in this primary election ahead of coverage tonight on KRQE News 13 and on KRQE.com. But joining us here to talk about the primary elections in New Mexico is Tim Krebs. He's a political science professor for the University of New Mexico, specializing in urban politics and public policy. Professor, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You got it. Well, let's start with what has become, I feel like, one of the most contentious races of the year. Perhaps you feel that way. But when you look at the campaigning for this race and some of the back and forth of the debates that we've seen, that's why I say this has been contentious. Excuse me. Excuse me. This, this, this is a family Those that doesn't well. that doesn't need to be re-traumatized you by you because you have never, gentlemen, I'm going to step in right there. Gentlemen, our viewers get nothing when you're speaking over each other and they this can't This is the understand. attorney general's primary on the Democratic side uh, between state auditor Brian Colon. My name is Brian Colon. Look, I've got a 20-year broad-based career in the law. I've got a lifetime of relationships because I've fought for families. I've fought for New Mexicans. And the current Bernalillo County District Attorney Raul Torres. My name is Raul Torres. We need people that have substance and experience. I'm a career prosecutor. I'm not a politician. But I think that's the kind of leadership that New Mexico needs when we think about the challenges that lie ahead. The debates have been pretty contentious. The advertising in some cases has been pretty blunt. Have you been surprised to see sort of the amount of sniping, I call it, uh, that's come from this race? Is this out of norm for a race like this, do you feel? No, I don't think so. The attacks and uh, negative campaigning, if you will, is a function of the competitiveness of the race. And it's a function of the fact that you've got two two candidates who are, you know, have previous office experience. You've got one person who's the district attorney in Bernalillo County. You've got the other person who's the state auditor. So they're in office now. They're, they're known figures. It's very competitive. Um, so they're both able to raise money to fund their campaigns. And because it's so close, um, that's why it's negative. I've known Brian for a number of years. I've known him as a politician. I've known him as somebody who's been engaged in public life, but it wasn't until this last week that I thought he truly disqualified himself from public office. And I appreciate the feigned indignance that you have, Mr. Torres, but at the end of the day, shame on you for allowing that to happen. Your failed prosecution allowed that to happen. You know, there's a need in campaigns to 
you know, articulate what it is you're going to do once in office and then to tell the voters why they shouldn't select the other person. The two candidates have really tried to focus on record, it seems. You know, Torres says Cologne has no record as a prosecutor prosecuting cases. My opponent has no experience as a prosecutor, none whatsoever. And you're going to hear him criticize my track record tonight. Um, but he's never prosecuted a single case, not even a parking ticket. Cologne says Torres is a failed prosecutor. What my opponent has is a failed track record of prosecution, a lifelong career as a prosecutor. <clears throat> yet at the end of the day, the numbers are abysmal. Do you think either of these messages is landing with voters any more so than the other? I think, you know, it's difficult for Torres, you know, in some ways to run away from the issue of crime. Um, and so in that sense, Cologne has an advantage. Uh, he can, I mean, he can press that advantage. That's the kind of thing that's going to be, I, th- I think, is more salient to the voters, the actual crime issue. Um, and the fact that, you know, Torres is a part of the system uh, of defending us against crime and, and prosecuting criminals and so forth. He's, he's exposed, in a sense, um, on that. At the same time, I think Torres's critique of Cologne's record and his sort of lack of experience in the courtroom is uh, is valid. But, you know, the two issues are they're not the same in terms of how important they are to the public. Since there is no incumbent running for attorney general, we know Hector Balderas, he served two four year terms, so he'll be done after 2022 ends. Is there either Democratic candidate that you think is trending toward winning or do you see this one going as a sort of tight race? I think it's going to be a tight race. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the turnout numbers so far look, look to be a little bit down, but it could very well be the case that uh, this is a late breaking election, especially with regards to this particular race on the Democratic side. You know, these are two candidates that you know, have have a history in democratic politics. I mean, I think Brian Colon's is is deeper than Raul Torres's is, uh, but they've got a history in democratic politics, um, and they're both compelling figures in their own way. And so, uh, I I think it will be kind of a late breaking thing. It's going to be very tight. Can you give us an idea, and for maybe you know people who are listening who are not quite familiar, like what the attorney general's office does? How important is the attorney general's office for the state of New Mexico? The attorney general is the top law enforcement officer in the state of New Mexico, and so in that respect, can um, you know can influence policy and can influence law across a range of issues. Uh, you know, in, in terms of sort of you know government government corruption or certainly environmental protection, um, you know, sort of criminal matters, these kinds of things. The attorney general plays a very important role in our state's legal system and in terms of policy. I mean, most of the stuff in terms of like criminal prosecutions occur at the local level, at the, at the level of the, uh, at the counties, which is what Raul Torres is doing now. But it's definitely a platform for speaking out on, you know, important law enforcement issues. When it comes to the AG and when you look at the record of prior elections, the AG's office has typically gone to the Democrat over the last several elections. The Democratic primary winner will face Gallup attorney Republican Jeremy Gay. Do you feel it's fair to say whoever wins this AG's Democrats race is likely to be a shoe in or probably going to win the race in November? Yes, I think I think whoever wins the primary, it's, it's tantamount to winning the election. Uh, not only because of these historical patterns, but because 
I think, you know, Democratic registration in the state is higher than Republican registration. And, uh, you know, just in terms of the experience and the profile of the candidates on, you know, on each side and each party's ticket, I think the Democrats clearly have an advantage. So the combination of that history plus, uh, you know, the candidates uh, who are running this cycle, um, it's yeah, I, I think it will go Democratic. I also wanted to ask you, you mentioned turnout being a little bit lower so far. When you heard those numbers that we sort of talked about at the top of the show, there about 90,000 voters having cast their ballots already. Why do you say turnout is a little bit low? Um, what would you expect? It's possible that you, you know, you could have 100,000 or so um, in terms of if we look at, I mean, if we look at 2018, the number of in person and absentee ballots, the total that were they were cast on the Democratic, a Democratic, a competitive Democratic gubernatorial race right. uh, primary in that cycle, uh, there are about seventy eight thousand or seventy nine thousand absentee and in person votes. Uh, this time around, it looks to be about fifty thousand on the Democratic side, but there's no there's no competition on the Republican side. It's about thirty eight thousand. So the numbers are lower. It's hard to compare, though, because we're comparing across election cycles and we're comparing across offices. And so the comparisons don't exactly work. But uh, in general, the number of uh, absentee and in-person votes so far seems to be uh, a little bit lower than in the last uh, primary election. Let's talk about the Republicans now and the race for governor. Five Republicans have qualified for the primary election, but only one will go head to head with current Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. The Republican primary candidates are Rebecca Dow, Greg Zanetti, Ethel Maharg, Jay Block, and Mark Ronchetti. This too has been a contentious race with candidates sniping at each other. Rebecca Dow suggesting in one of her ads that Mark Ronchetti is a show pony, a TV blowhard. Ronchetti suggests Dow has a liberal voting record. And then you've got Jay Block suggesting he won the pre-primary convention and that shouldn't be ignored. Has this race been more contentious campaigning than expected? A little bit uh, in in the sense that, you know, Ron Ketty has clearly done the best overall in terms of raising money. He was a Senate nominee in the last contest for U.S. Senate, you know, and he's got statewide name recognition as a consequence, not only of that previous run, but also because he's uh, on, uh, you know, he's a, he's a weatherman and is on TV all the time. He's got he's got broad statewide name recognition. Money raising is one of those kinds of they're, they're, it's a tell in politics, right? If you're raising money, it means that you're your people think you're going to be competitive. So in the sense of that, you know, this has become a bit more contentious than you might have predicted, especially especially in regards to some of the pre-election polls that we've seen, where it appears that Ron Ketty's got a sizable lead. Um, and so you but you still got, you know, Rebecca Dow, who, you know, is trailing him, still running pretty hard, running pretty aggressively. Uh, and staying on TV. Um, and so that's an interesting dynamic within within the GOP this year, for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they attempt to mend fences after the primary, because that's going to be important as we move forward. I guess you could say party on party violence, so to speak, you know, the, the candidates sniping at each other. It's it's always interesting to see which races that happens in, I feel, when you look at primaries, you know, it, and not every primary is going to be the same, right? Sometimes 
you know, in those four year cycles, you see it might be congressional district two this cycle, and then maybe it's the Republican governor's race, or then maybe it's the Democratic AG's race or whatnot. Yeah. And, and one of the things that happens in primaries is that, you know, because the candidates are basically the same on the issue positions, I mean, their issue positions don't diverge all that much. And because of that, you know, in order to distinguish yourself, you've got to go in a slight, you've got to go in a different direction. So then it turns on things like experience or personal qualities or character or scandal, these kinds of things um, that will, you know, showcase for the voters, again, this, this dynamic of, you know, here's what I, here's what I represent. And, and, oh, by the way, here's what my, my main opponent represents. Mm. So don't, you know, vote for me for these things. Don't vote for that person because we should, we should fear those things. But that's kind of the dynamic of primary elections. They're, they're intra, they're intra party fights um, where the candidates by and large, you know, think the same on see eye to eye on the major issues. You mentioned uh, some of the polling that's been done ahead of this primary race. Um, does it seem that this race is trending any particular direction right now? Yeah, I would. I would think that you know Mark Ronchetti's team feels pretty good about this, um, and that um, you know that they're gonna they're they're probably gonna have a pretty good day on Tuesday. When you think about the winner here of this primary race, how much of a chance do they have in the November election against Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, in your opinion? It's difficult to say. We're in June. You know, five months in politics can, can be a lifetime. Um, there's any, there are any number of issues that could potentially crop up that could change the dynamic here. I think that because it's a midterm election and because the president is a Democrat, that's, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that is potentially going to harm the chances of Democrats in the fall. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it makes it a, it's a difficult cycle for Democrats. There are a lot of headwinds, especially with regards to the economy. Um, there are some things that have happened, you know, fairly recently or that will happen certainly by the end of June um, that could motivate Democrats. I mean, clearly the, uh, the gun violence issue, the gun control issue is something that could motivate Democrats in the fall. You know, by the end of June, we'll have the Supreme Court ruling on Roe versus Wade and whether that's going to be overturned. All indications suggest, and certainly the leaked opinion suggests that that's going to be overturned. Another thing that may motivate, motivate Democrats this fall when they might otherwise be a bit demoralized in terms of terms of what's happening nationally. The connection between national politics and state politics is fairly clear. And so in that sense, it's a it's a bad cycle for Democrats. Um, there are headwinds, especially with regards to inflation. So it's not just a bad cycle because it's a midterm, but there are issues that could harm Democrats uh, on the ballot. Things may turn around, though, especially with these two things I just mentioned. One last thing I think we have to talk about broadly when, when it comes to this primary election is, of course, the impact of redistricting, um, particularly with the congressional districts. The three New Mexico congressional districts now look uh, pretty different, I feel, than, than they have, say, over the last decade. Um, to ask you broadly, can you explain some of the most significant changes that have happened with the congressional districts as it relates to this primary election? Well, the second congressional district to our south has become a bit more democratic. And the first congressional district, uh, which encompasses mostly Bernalillo County, has become a, a bit more Republican. 
Uh, so those are the those are the two major changes. And so, you know, depending on uh, the you know sort of the, the the outcome of the Democratic primary in the second congressional district, you know, who gets selected there? I think there are two two quality candidates running. Uh, you know, for that for that contest, people and by quality, I mean people who've held elective office have been involved, and so that that can affect things. Uh, again, about a tough cycle for Democrats. So I, you know, I wouldn't bet on the Democrat necessarily in the in the general election in the second congressional district, and and likewise in in the first congressional district, I I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against the Democrat, although it's not going to be. You know, probably not going to be as easy as it's been in previous cycles because of redistricting. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about Congressional District 2. There are two candidates on the Democratic primary ballot there. Gabe Vasquez, he's a Las Cruces city councilor, and Darshan Patel, a family medicine physician in Lovington, who are running for the opportunity to take on Yvette Harrell in November, the state's lone Republican member of Congress, with redistricting adding more Democrats in CD2, what does this mean for the Democratic chances in November? Again, it means they're improved in a general sense, but again, it's a it's a tough cycle for Democrats. And so, uh, while it may be more competitive in the general election, I still think the the district leans Republican, and so it's going to be an uphill fight. Uh, but the fact that you you know certainly have got candidates who are well qualified, intelligent, hardworking, and and at least in one case, you've got you know somebody with political experience, some name recognition, uh, who's been who's been out front and, and very aggressive. Something could happen down there, but I would I would still say that it's advantage Republicans in the second congressional district. You mentioned those headwinds for Democrats. Uh, we're also looking at a re-election cycle for candidates in CD1 and CD3. That being Melanie Stansberry is running for essentially her first election. She, of course, won in a special election uh, for CD1 to fill the seat of Deb Holland, who was appointed to be President Biden's interior secretary. But then you've also got Teresa Ledger Fernandez, who is running now for her second term as a congresswoman. They're both going to face Republican challengers, of course. But we know, as you had mentioned, you know, these are seats that have gone to Democrats for many, many cycles. Um, It's been, I think, more than 10 years for both of them um, in both of those districts. You mentioned the headwinds as well. Do you feel that we should put more eyes on those sort of uh, congressional races as they come closer towards November? Or do you feel that those probably are still going to continue to lean Democratic? I think they're both going to lean Democratic now. I mean, as far as what, you know, media should focus on, what the people generally should focus on, what attention is given, that's a function of the competition. It's a competitive, that's a, it's a function of, you know, the thing that drives, you know, media cycles and so forth and, and public attention is, you know, when there are close contests, uh, we tend to focus on, on those ones and ignore the other ones, or at least not pay as much attention to them. Um, um, you know, it's interesting in CD1, you know, it used to be, you know, forever. It was a really, it was a really competitive district for a very long time. It was a very competitive district going back to when Heather Wilson was the member of Congress from, from this area. Um, and then over the last several cycles, you know, as a consequence of redistricting, you know, it, would be, it became more democratic. And then so it was kind of like a shoe in for Democrats. It, it's still that way, although it's a bit it's a bit less 
democratically dominated uh, in this cycle. On this ballot, there are, of course, you know, sheriff's races to keep an eye on in Bernalillo and Santa Fe County. But is there anything else that you're watching or that people should keep an eye on for this primary election? I think on the you know, on the Democratic side, the, some of the statewide elections are going to be are going to be close. There've been, they've, you know, sort of interesting ones and sort of competitive back and forth, especially the treasurer's race. So statewide, I think they're on the Democratic side. Uh, there, there are some interesting contests there. I think too, uh, in terms of the state house, on the Democratic side, there are some interesting primaries shaping up uh, that are pitting. Uh, more conservative Democrats against more progressive Democrats. So it's going to be really interesting to see a bit of a split on, in the Democratic caucus on the House side between progressives and uh, conservatives. And so, you know, that's going to play out in a, in a number and a handful of races on the Democratic side. So I would be I'll be looking at those. be a busy night for everybody so yeah do you usually stay up and watch all the races throughout like 11 o'clock 12 too i I do i do as i as i tell my students you know when i when i was a when i was a a young person i you know i always really like look forward to super bowl sunday Mm -hmm. and i said my my super bowl sunday has been replaced by election days yeah i still watch the super bowl of course but you know (laughs) i love election days primaries uh off you know odd year elections, I like them all. So I do stay up and watch. So we'll be sure to keep a close eye on all of these races here tonight, updating people on air on KRQE News 13, but also online on krqe.com. I'd encourage you to check it out. Curtis Segarra and I will be live streaming throughout the night with a up close look at all of the different races as the numbers come in. We will be live streamed basically all evening. So if you go to krqe.com, you can interact with us there through the video feed. And also if you're on Twitter, you can add me at, at Chris McKee TV. You can also email me at chris.mckee on krqe.com and uh, get involved in the conversation. It is a lot of fun to be able to bring you these results as they're happening through the night. Yeah, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday, remember the polls close at 7 o'clock p.m., so there is still time to go out and vote. We mentioned one of the tight races, the Attorney General's race. I will be out in the field this evening covering Raul Torres's campaign. Annalisa Pardo, one of our reporters, will be covering Brian Colon's campaign, so we will be sure to keep you all posted on that race. We've got other reporters covering other races for this primary election. So be sure to keep a close eye on krqe.com and on air at krqe news 13. We'll have another episode for you all next week of the New Mexico News Podcast. In the meantime, you can also reach me. I'm gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you for listening.